whether you're here for the first time as one of our guests or you've been here for years, is that you would recognize Blueprint Church as a place for you to belong and to matter. Why? Because it's the gospel. It's a place. It's God's house. And it's a place where he has given us. We just come out of a series on biblical hospitality. And we talked about the blessings of hospitality. Even though I grieved a little bit that the tables were not here anymore, it does not mean that we don't still be hospitable to one another. You know, and as we're taking communion, and um, it just reminded me, and as even I was in the time of reflection, um, I, I was just reminded of, of, of um, my voice. And I don't know if you guys can tell my voice is going, this is not like, I'm not like Barry White, like that's, I'm not trying to impersonate him at, at all. But um, basically, um, if you know, if you've been here for years at Blueprint Church, you recognize, and one of the things you, you know and you'll come to realize is that every year around basketball season, this is how, this is what you get. This is what you get. I don't say that because of glory. I say that because of shame. Um, you know, and, and when I was thinking about it, this, and I was, I was reflecting on that, and like even my voice as a reminder, I, I remember talking to my wife, and I went to my wife, and I was just like, because we had three games this week, and they were big games. You know, they were big games because they were against some rivals and all of that, so big games and, and all of that. And so as I'm going in and, you know, with my son and with my daughter, and they're going into these games, I remember, I told my wife, I said, Angie, this week, this game, I am not going to say anything to the refs. You know, because I'm just going to say, I'm that dad. Like, I live vicariously through my children. I'm the guy, like, I am him. So, like, some people are just like, you know, I'm, I'm just confessing. This is the time of confession. So I'm confessing that I am that dad. So I said, this time I am not going to say anything to the refs. I'm just going to just, and by my voice, you can tell how successful I was <laughs> in doing that, right? And so... I was not successful, but however, it, like what we just did, it reminded me that like God is a God of new mercies and that I can start over. And so next time I'm making a commitment to you that next time I'm not going to say anything to the refs and I'm going to let Andy testify whether or not I'm successful or not next time we, we get together. But we're excited about it. As I said, I grieved the tables, we, but part of the tables being gone is a part of us recognizing that we are in a new series. Um, we've studied, we've talked about biblical, the biblical and blessings of hospitality, but now we are in a series kicking off the new year talking about um, Galatians, like Galatians, Galatians verified, or there is no other gospel. And really for the next few months, we're just going to walk through the book of Galatians and we're going to talk about why there is no other gospel. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, and we are going to look at verses 1 through 10 today. Galatians 1, 1 through 10. And as you're pulling that up, we talk about Galatians verified, but, you know, we was trying to think of, you know, a creative name for the series, and we were just like, in there, we just put like literally Galatians with a blue check mark. How many of us know what the, the blue check mark symbolizes, right? Y'all know it's like, it, it, what? Verified, right? Like, it's, that's what the check mark. We have a former Twitter employee among us. Right, that verify. So if you don't like the check mark, let's talk to him about that. He's no longer there. He's no longer there. But, but, 
But you, you recognize that the blue check mark was there, that it was used as a symbol that different various platforms now, I mean, Twitter may have started, I don't know, but um, various platforms to indicate a particular account has been verified as authentic and legitimate by the platform itself. Like it says, like, this is legitimate, right? And that's what the blue check mark recognized. But I don't know how many of you knew, but in April of last year, April of last year, there was, and I don't know who, I'm assuming Elon, um, decided that we are going to change the standards of getting that blue check mark, right? And no longer is it like whatever standards it was to verify so we can have some certainty. But now all you have to do is buy a premium account, right? And if you buy a premium account, you too can have a blue check mark, right? Right, and so that it was the way that happened, that it happened, you see, but we recognize, and some of us recognize that the reason why they gave the blue check mark because it was to keep us away from, or to weed out frauds, right? Because they're like on Twitter, people like to impersonate people, right? And so there was this like, people were impersonating other famous people, people are impersonating other reckon, like recognizable um, organizations or recognizable brands, and they would like to present themselves as if they were speaking on behalf of that person or on behalf of that organization. However, then that blue check mark was there to indicate to us the authenticity and also there to negate any counterfeit information that was released on behalf of that person or brand or organization. You know, but when they did that, instead of bringing, it brought about a, a bunch of chaos to the platform. Right, because there was no longer a verification process in order to say what we're getting is legit or not. For example, the New York Times reported that within 24 hours, 24 hours from um, setting those new standards, they said there were 11 different accounts impersonating the Los Angeles Police Department within 24 hours. Right? And you see how, what that would cause for people who felt like, man, I'm getting my, it's my reliable place for good news or substance. You see, the reason why that it, like, it, like it irks you a little bit about kind of why you change the standard and just simply make it about paying for it is because, one, we recognize that blue check mark or the verification process, one, exposes counterfeits, two, it verifies the identity, and three, it authenticates the message. It authenticates the message. And so what's happening right now, and as we're going into the book, of, um, the book of Galatians, what we're going to see is that there have been cultural adaptations to the gospel message. And Paul was like, no, 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 no. There is a blue check process that we need to understand where it comes to verifying the legitimacy of the true gospel. And so Paul starts this letter off letting us know why we need to expose any counterfeits of the gospel. And then goes on and shares with us both what the gospel is later throughout the book. And so we'll be spending the next three months just talking about, right, that there is no other gospel. One of my good friends used to always say he was just like, the best way to expose counterfeits is by studying the real thing studying the real thing. And that's really what we want to do. We want to authenticate. We want to put a blue check mark 
around this gospel, around this book. And so it is important for us to, to say so. What I want to do is I just want to simply, I want to read through the first 10 verses of the book of, of, the book of Galatians, 1 through 10. And then, then I want to give you three reasons, three reasons why it's important for us to expose counterfeits. Cool? Real simple. Right. And in those three reasons, the three reasons are this. Number one, the reason why it deserts us from the person of Christ. Number two, it distorts the work of Christ. And number three, it denies the grace of Christ. That's what we're going to talk about. This is the reason why we have to expose counterfeits. It deserts us from the person of Christ, distorts the work of Christ, and it denies the grace of Christ. Denies the grace of Christ. So let's read it. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. It says, Paul, an apostle. That word apostle just simply means one who's sent with authority, one who is sent for a specific purpose with authority. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So basically we see both the author, that is Paul, and that he is representing his tribe and on behalf of the Lord, he, he said this is me writing. He goes as far to verify this at the end of the book. If you look at Galatians chapter 6 and 11, it basically says that you see what large letters I write this. And this is a way of Paul just kind of validating the authenticity that these are his words. Right. So he is basically saying, hey, this is on behalf as one who has been sent with authority, with a specific purpose. God, the father to the churches of Galatians, a couple of things that we got to know that the churches of Galatia was written to local churches. It's not written. There was no city of Galatia. Galatia was a region. It's sort of like it would say metro. Right. It was a region. It was a place that had multiple cities that was made up of both urban Cities, but also made up of rural cities. It's what we see as modern-day Turkey. Modern-day Turkey. So he is writing this to this region that is made up of different churches. And he says to the churches of Galatia. But he's writing them to the local churches that are in Galatians. So this letter is written to believers, not unbelievers. All right? So these are important things because as we start and as we look into it, that is written to a collection of churches, to believers in churches in this particular region in particular area, right? And so he says to the churches of Galatia, he says this, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. After kind of making this prayer, he jumps right into the meat of it. He says in verse 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, I uh, preached to you a curse be on him. As we have said before, and I now say again, if anyone, anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Verse 10, for now, 
Am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I will not be a servant of Christ. So Paul goes right for the jugular. He kicks it off. And he lets us know the purpose of what he's writing and how he's coming with writing. It kind of has that fatherly tone to him, right? And he comes in like with a deep voice, you know, and he's coming in and he's like, I don't care if anybody preaches something different. He says, and so part of it, he goes in, he doesn't necessarily right now talk about what the gospel is, but he says he wants us to know why it's important for us to expose counterfeits to the gospel. And so, Three reasons I've already said. The first one is this, deserts. The reason why we need to expose the counterfeits is because it deserts the person of Christ, right? After Paul gives his introduction, after Paul kind of lays out that this concept of having both peace with God and fellowship with one another, right, that we see um, this idea in verse six, it says, I am amazed. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him. He does not say, I am so amazed that you are so quickly turning away to a different message. He didn't say, like, I'm amazed that you're turning away from doing the right thing. You know better. He starts off this letter and says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him. One of the things that we have to understand is that a false gospel or um, a counterfeit gospel causes us to desert the person of Christ is this, is that the gospel isn't just a message, it's embodied in a person. When I talk about the gospel, what I'm talking about, the gospel, my short and simple definition of the gospel is the person and work of Jesus Christ. The person and work of Jesus Christ that, that God uses to bring us into right relationship with him. That's the gospel. That the word evangelion, right, is about the news. It is about the good news. But what is the good news about? The good news is about the person. So that's why we see at the very beginning, as soon as sin entered into the world, we see what they call the proto-evangelion, right? In Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters into the world, said, and, they, and there's causing intimacy between the man and the woman, he says that I will raise up or someone will be born and he, that man will bruise his heel but crush your head, Right? So he's so very from the beginning of sin that the first gospel is pointing to the person and work of Jesus, that there will be a Messiah that makes things right. You see, all of this is about how does God bring back what has been broken and divided because of sin? Too many of us have reduced our Christianity to simply moral behaviors, doing the right thing. And so we talk about sin as solely just breaking a moral code. But sin is so much more than just simply breaking a moral code. Sin is a violation of relationship. And so when we saw sin entering into in the garden, what happened? There was relationship that was broken between man and man, man and woman. 
between God and men. I hid myself. I was afraid. I hid myself. And there was fellowship, relationship that was broken. So when God talked about the good news, he says, don't worry that this has been severed. I'm sending, I will send someone who's going to reunite us. There's good news, even in our brokenness. And so he talks about the person of God. You see, that word right there, like I'm so quick that you are turning away, that, that word ultimately in the, in the Greek is ultimately says, I've seen that you have changed sides. You're no longer wearing the home team's jersey. You're no longer representing Christ. You've deserted the person and the work of Christ. Right? He says, you have deserted the one who has called you, called you into this relationship with him, not just simply giving you rules. And so that is the reason why when he says that, like, I'm bringing you, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that we are making our appeal, that what has been broken because of sin, that God is reuniting us in that. Sin breaks up the fellowship the relationship with God. And so Paul says, I see that you have deserted. You have left the person of Christ. But the other reason why he tells us that we need to expose counterfeits is because it distorts the work of Christ. Distorts the work of Christ. You see, in the work of Christ, it says, in here, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you basically to a work to the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. And in verse 7, it says, not that there is any, that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. You see, the first one talks about you've changed teams, you've changed sides. You've deserted the person. You've deserted the home team. This one talks about the, the, the word is that you have totally turned around. You are now perverting that word, perverting the work of the gospel. Because you don't have a proper understanding of your relationship with God, it has caused you to change your work for God or with God. You see God in a different way. So no longer is the ministry about restoration it's about something else. What do I mean restoration? You see, there's a big word that is used all throughout the book of Romans, right? And that word that they use consistently is the word righteousness, right? We've heard that word. We've talked about that word in this church many times, and we know what that word means. Ultimately, the short, simple definition of righteousness is right relationship, right relationship. And so, and basically we recognize through the book of Romans and places like Galatians as we see that we get right relationship with God because of God died the death that we were supposed to die and lived the life that we could not live and took on the wrath of God, right, on our behalf so that now he can present us. He can present us as holy and acceptable because God the Father doesn't see us in our sin, but he sees his son as a sacrifice before us. And so he says that he, that, so these words of big righteousness, a right relationship comes through words like atonement, right? Comes through words like propitiation, that God's wrath was satisfied, right? Like by him, 
Right, and so these words, these big words, but basically Paul just simply says, it's like, there, like there's really no other way that God really satisfies, satisfies the wrath of God except for perfection. So there really is no other gospel. But there are people who have started to divorce or pervert the gospel. And they've changed it in a way that now it took us from words like, restoration, where it talks about bringing and restoring the whole of a purpose to relief. And so many people, the cultural adaptation so from so many of our gospels is about relief now. And Paul's going to talk about it later. He's going to talk about like how so many of us are appealing to our flesh. And so what so many relief-oriented gospels are, are gospels that are uh, appealing to your flesh. Because we're tired of being of the pain. We're tired of the hurt. We're tired of the angst. And so what happens is that it becomes a relief-oriented gospel so that you can get away from your pain. You see, and that's what's going on. And so you got to recognize, right? Let me just give you a little history lesson right now. For We are reading. This is probably one of the first books, um, either between 1 Thessalonians or Galatians, is one of the first books, epistles, that was written by the Apostle Paul. So we're early in Paul's ministry, but we're about 50 to 60 AD, right? And so around this time, we recognize that Israel has been under persecution for over 400 plus years. You guys understand what I'm saying, right? For 400 plus years. So we have to go all the way back to the time of Daniel, before Daniel when Israel was on top and they were leading. So since the time of Daniel, 70 years in, in um, Babylonia and, you know, all of those things, and then you go into the 400-year period where different people, and now even today, they're under, they're under Roman authority. So we're talking about a people who don't even make their own decisions, right? So, right, so this is a, this is a people who are experiencing a lot of pain is what I'm saying. So here we have Paul who has been called to the Gentiles and is now taking the gospel to their oppressors. And they was like, I don't like this. And so you know what they start doing? They start questioning Paul's. They start, to, they, they start taking his Jew card. And Paul was like, no, nah, I'm a Jew of all Jews. I'm boom. And he started listing out his resume about how Jewish he is. He said, don't try to take this away just because I'm preaching the, the whole gospel. He says, but you see, people who have a gospel of relief, they're going to appeal to your flesh. And they're going to pull away. Make no mistake, the book of Acts, the book of Galatians, and a lot of your New Testament is being written simply by asking the question, how Jewish do I have to be in order to be Christian? That's the question. Do I got to be circumcised? Do I have to do all the dietary rules? Do I have to do all the things? And basically, Paul is saying, no. Even in the Acts, there's a whole council that they get around together and it says people in other, other um, cultures and all that, how much do we have to do in order? And then they give some standards of what it is. And so a lot of their asking the question, there wasn't theological problems in the book of Acts until you start letting the Gentiles in. You guys understand what I'm saying? Are you, are you, you see, what's going on today in the same way people are asking the question in America, they said, how white do I have to be in order to be Christian? How much of the cultural adaptation that I have to do in order to be Christian? And so people are deconstructing and decolonizing and all that. But the problem is not the deconstructing or decolonizing. The problem is that they're not reconstructing and recolonizing around the person and work of Jesus. They're coming up with some other gospel. 
that's no longer grounded in the scriptures. And so Paul says, if anyone preaches to you another gospel, let this man be accursed. He says, matter of fact, even if I come and says, man, I've been enlightened. And, you know, I was wrong, y'all. I've been studying a little bit more, and now I'm coming back to you. He says, even if I come to you and preach in a different gospel, he says, no, 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 don't believe me. Just think I'm out of my mind. Think that I'm crazy because the gospel that has been handed down is the gospel. There's no other, other gospel. There's no other versions. At our church, we say it's the gospel that changes people. And God uses people to change the world. We don't have anything cool, anything unique to give you other than the person and work of Jesus that transforms the life of individuals that reconciles us to him, that puts us in right relationship. You see, the reason why we expose counterfeits because it distorts, it deserts the person of Christ, but it also distorts the work of Christ. It becomes about everything else, relief and all these things, and it leaves restoration. You can't have, you can have relief and not be restored. But you can't have real restoration unless you also get relief. So this is not, this is not saying like stay in your pain and do it. Like that's not what I'm saying. But what we're saying is that it's so much more than your pain. This is about being reconciled and to right relationship with him. And he says there's other people, and we're going to look at the book of Galatians. There's other people who's going to peel and say something different, and that's going to sound a lot better. And they're going to present to you what I call a Liam Neeson gospel. Y'all know Liam Neeson, right? I talk about it all the time. Liam Neeson Right, Liam Neeson is that justified righteousness gospel, right? Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson plays one character in all the movies, right? You know, it's at some point somebody took someone that he loves him and he is going to go kill a whole bunch of people in order to get back that one person that he lost, right? And now I say justify righteousness because, you know, it's the type of righteousness that we say that as soon as I shared it with somebody, says, like, yeah, girl, I would do the same thing to get my daughter back on her, right? There's, it's, you're justified in showing your butt, right? You're justified in being real, whatever we say, right? In order to put off our godliness, in order to do it, to justify righteousness. And so there's a gospel that has relief that appeals to the flesh, but he says, that's not the gospel. He says, if there's no other gospel. So it begins to distort the work of Christ. False gospels. And then finally, he basically says, it denies the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. After he says that if anyone preaches to you a different gospel, let him be cursed. But he goes and he says, but if, even if an angel or heaven should preach a gospel contrary to what I preach to you, a curse be on him. And I said it, and I said it before and I'll say it again. If anyone preaches to you a gospel to what you've received, a curse be on him. He ends and he says, am I trying to please man or trying to please God, right? And he basically ends it in that way. You see, what he's ultimately saying is that when we have a counterfeit gospel and what we're going to see throughout this book is that we have a gospel that go, that takes us from um, relationship and grace to religion and works, you see, here's the thing that I know some of you guys may 
talk about, well, religion works, that's not a thing. I'm, I'm good. It's by grace alone, through Christ alone. I'm, 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 I'm straight. You see, you see, but the thing is, let's replace legalism with our, whatever our other ism is. You know what I'm saying? I talk about this, right? The other isms. And so what Paul says is that it denies the grace of Christ. Um, what ends up happening is all religion and all good news is all about solving a real problem that you have. Right? You have real problems with real needs and real things. And all religions are simply trying to answer that question. Predominant question is how do we make it right with God? That's the biggest question. Right? But there's other questions that we have that sometimes we don't feel like, oh, the gospel doesn't apply. I don't really know. But no, no, no. It's, Paul is like, no, no. It answers all these questions. And so in here, he says, but some of you, you have denied the grace of God. Colossians chapter 1, 2, verses 4 and 5 says, in the same way you have received Christ, you are to walk in him. You see, some of us, we get saved by grace, but we try to keep it by the law. We get saved by grace, but we try to keep it by our ism. Isms are the, the things that you do to try to make your relationship right with God. Some of us in, is legalism. Some of us is mysticism. If I keep having these visions in these dreams that I'm connected with God. Some of us is intellectualism. The more I know and I study God's word and know his word, that's going to show my connection with God. Some of us is emotionalism. Man, if I just keep weeping every day, then I can know that me and God are connected. When I stop weeping, then there's something going on. Right? Some of us is conservatism, right? If as long as I'm pro-right and I'm pro-life and this and that, that, that's showing my connection with God. Some of us is liberalism. If I keep on freeing people and making it about those, then I can do that. Some of us is asceticism. If I keep fasting and I keep praying and I keep, so I can go on to whatever your ism is. This is what your savior is. That ism is denying the grace of God and has replaced it with your ism. And Paul says, if anyone preaches anything different than simply the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the person and work of Christ that reconciles us to God and that, is, that its implications may come out in more and a various of different ways that they are preaching a different gospel. If I come to you and say anything other different about the person and work of Jesus Christ, and again, I'm putting emphasis on person and work of Jesus Christ, holistically, that we are, that he says, don't even listen to me. The gospel has been established. It's the gospel that changes. And don't deny the grace of the gospel for some ism. For some ism. Don't continue to cultivate that functional savior as a means to making it right. As a means to making it right because you will fall short. You will not be fed fully. So Paul says that, listen, I'm going to preach the gospel. Why? Because there is no other gospel. There are no other means. Jesus said it clear. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no other way to Bridge that gap between us and God, the Father, except 
through Jesus Christ. He is the only means in which we can restore true relationship back with God, which then manifests itself to true relationship with one another. This is the reason why I wanted to start with communion to remind us of the reason why we gather. It is to celebrate that we have peace with God, but it is also to be manifested in our relationship with others. And you see, and this is why in Galatians, later on in Galatians, he's going to say the whole commandment is filled in how you love one another. How you love one another. And so we're coming back just to the core that there is no other gospel. And so this is our prayer. And if you are one of those that loves to read, go, and I would just recommend, go this week and read the book of Galatians. Read it in its entirety. It's six chapters, right? And read it every week. And each week, we're, we're, we can put out on the print what we're going to be teaching the next week so you can get ahead. Join a city group. Be a part of a city group where a city group gives a chance to break down and to wrestle with one another. Don't do this alone because, like I said, the word that I have is belonging and mattering. I pray that you would know that Blueprint Church is not going to be all that it can be if you don't show up. If you don't come in, not just as a consumer, but as a contributor bringing all of the person and work of God in you and bringing that fully to this church, to this body, so that we can see the glory of God in it and that we can begin to preach the gospel to one another. And we can establish and reestablish that place where we belong and matter. And so this is where we're going. Galatians, verify it. The check mark, the blue check mark, that this is a reminder that there is no other gospel and that we will keep calling one another to that and that we will seek restoration for one another as we seek to glorify our Savior in all that we say and do. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for just who you are. Father, the Bible says, but first sanctify the Lord God in our hearts being ready to give a defense of the hope that lies within us, but do this with gentleness and respect. Father, we just talked about how we are needed to expose the gospel. We don't want to leave you. We don't want to do the wrong work. We don't want to deny your grace. But Father, we want to be about your business. Allow us first to sanctify you as Lord in our hearts. Allow us to do that individually and also collectively. And Father, we'll do our best to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And so Father, as we come in this year with a place belonging and matter, we pray for thy will to be done in Atlanta as it is in heaven. To you be the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.